following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Or someone you know has a child with autism in their family? Answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio with host Dr. Bill Freya. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is Dr. Bill Freya. And welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya. I'm a clinical psychologist and the co-founder of Autism Spectrum Therapies, a national agency providing resources and services to individuals of all ages who are living with autism spectrum disorders, as well as other developmental issues. And thank you so much for joining us today. Autism Spectrum Radio is a show designed and to provide a range of information to families and professionals, and we rely heavily on your feedback to make sure we are covering topics and details that are important to you. And from recent comments, it looks like we're doing a pretty good job of that, but we always want to hear more, so uh, send me an email or go to our Facebook page to add your voice to the many who are helping to shape this program. And you can always go to our website, autismtherapies.com, and that will get you to our Facebook page, our blog, and a bevy of resources. So if you don't find what you need there, you can always let us know, and we will get it up there. I love the opportunity to share information on this show, and I especially love getting to speak with a different expert or a passionate advocate each week. And we are known for our amazing guest, and this week we have a talented researcher and teacher, Dr. Eileen Schwartz, who will be joining us. She hails from the University of Washington and has been instrumental in shaping the landscape of modern preschool education for children with autism. If you've not heard of her project data or uh, heard of her research on the state of the art uh, early childhood instruction, you are in for a treat. Uh, She's going to have a lot to share with us today. I'm really excited about that. And if you've missed any of our previous shows, you can go to our radio show page at autismtherapies.com and you'll find links to all of our past shows there as well as the schedule for our upcoming weeks and the guests that we'll be having. So uh, please uh, put our upcoming shows on your calendar. Be sure to send us some questions that you'd like to ask. I'll make sure that we get them on the air. Uh, the shows you will find in our archives on the AST site include last week's discussion with uh, Dr. Lynn Cagle about her most recent research on pivotal response treatments, and she shared with us some of the findings that have yet to be published, so it was an incredibly valuable hour and one that you may want to take a listen to if you missed. And then you'll find other discussions on the site uh, with uh, previous guests and clinical experts such as Dr. Robert Horner and Dr. Travis Thompson talked about autism behavioral supports, our legal expert, uh, talented parent advocate, so make sure you, uh, you give it a look and uh, catch those past shows. Uh, We're happy to provide these show archives along with our other resources at autismtherapies.com. So browse the site when you get a chance and always give us feedback. Next week, we'll be talking with Matthew Asner. He is the Executive Director of Autism Speaks Southern California. He's a talented, passionate advocate who has a son and a brother with autism who will have a lot to share 
with uh, what his family has gone through and the things that he's learned. His father, uh, Ed Asner, who's also been known for his outspoken support for selected causes helping children with autism. It's going to be a great show next week, so don't miss it. And of course, if you do, you can always go to autismtherapies.com and hear it. As I mentioned, today's show is dedicated to educational issues, and our guest, Dr. Arlene Schwartz, is undeniably a leader in the field of special education, especially uh, teaching young children on the autism spectrum. Uh, my own career began with teaching young children with autism. My, my clinical training began in the area of early intervention, actually. I have to say there are a few things more exciting, uh, moving, powerful as working with a toddler, a three-year-old, teaching him or her to talk, to play, to engage, getting them to smile and be excited about learning. It was an early passion of mine, and it truly changed my life and uh, changed the way that I look at everything. And I've had the opportunity to work with young children in their homes, uh, clinic, and their schools. And most importantly, uh, I've experienced working with them to help prepare them to make the transition to school for the first time, to, to the very first classroom. And man, is that hard. You, you worry for the children. You, you want them to thrive in school. You want them to be happy there. You want them to be prepared to learn. So much work goes into this, uh, getting them ready, the school readiness. Hard work by their therapist, their parents, the child, him or herself. Um, it's, it's a major event. I, I Honestly, I cried when each of my three children went to school on that first day. It is, for most parents, a huge milestone. It's such a big step. And for parents raising typically developing children, it means that your baby's growing up. He or she is now big enough to be in classroom each day, uh, to have their own teacher, to bring bring a lunch to school, to make friends, and, and all that being school-aged is about. And for parents of children with autism, these experiences are somewhat the same, but there are some big differences, too. For many parents, there is a significant fear it can be scary sending them off to preschool that first day. You ask yourself those enormous questions. Did I do all that I could to prepare him? Uh, is he going to cry that today? Is he, is he going to want to come home? Will the other kids like him? Will he be able to learn there? He has so, so much to learn. Is, is he really ready? Is he going to get that? Will they do all that they can to help him? Will, will they be able to teach him? Will they get him ready for kindergarten, first grade, his future being a student. And what about the teacher <laughs> meeting her class for the first day? Being a preschool teacher is an enormous responsibility. This is the time to get ready for being a successful student. This is the window for children with autism to learn to attend in a large group, to respond to their teacher's instruction, to stay on task for longer and longer periods of time. It's a time to learn to get along with peers, to, to play in more and more advanced ways. Time to learn from your peers, to rely on peer support, and to deal with the frustration from peers that will most likely always be there in one form or another. Of course, there are different experiences and expectations with families. All parents of children with autism have uh, different experiences. The kids are different. The expectations are different. Uh, the perceived classroom choices are, are different. We hear anything about autism, the theme of variability always seems to be in the background. Yes, there's a big spectrum of autisms, and we know that the kids are also different. We also know that there's a range of treatments for autism, that, uh, with many of them uh, being pretty poorly researched. We know that professionals have different perspectives on what autism is and how it should be treated, and we know that educational programs can look very different. And that issue, that issue is the same for preschool programs. 
That's the importance of today's show. We've discussed on this on this program, especially the last two shows, that there are different evidence-based treatments for autism that vary in the structure they use. And we discussed structure in terms of the context that instruction is provided. It could be tightly structured or loosely structured in a play-based approach. The one thing we kept on the forefront in those discussions is the need for whatever you are doing to be evidence-based. There has to be good research supporting the approach, and you don't want to take the risk of an unproven method. Uh, it's too important to do something that's not proven. Uh, this can be stressful for parents. They have to do their own research sometimes. Parents must understand the different methods, the different terms, and they have to assert themselves to make sure their child is getting a program they feel is a good match for their child's learning needs. And the same is true for the classroom. There, there are evidence-based approaches. There are preschool classrooms with what appears like no real plan at all on how to teach the children. Obviously, you do not have the option of having your child in a classroom that is not preparing them to be successful in school. Preschool is part of early intervention. It's part of early intervention. It's not a separate goal. Children with autism spectrum disorders have to be in a preschool that has structure and that uses ABA methods. There goes that term again. Uh, ABA, and I, and I keep beating that drum, don't I? And for those that may be joining us for the first time, ABA is Applied Behavior Analysis, and this is the most researched approach to treating autism. The lion's share, the entire evidence base for autism treatment is in the area of ABA. And why would you put your child in a preschool that did not support your critical early intervention efforts? They go hand in hand. And, and I hear the different reasons from families. Uh, I hear families say, the teacher is great, and all the parents I talk to say that this is the best class and the best teacher. Um, and I, I get that. Uh, you, you want the best, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the best for your child. Your parents say that he needs to make friends, and this is a class that has a lot of quality playtime. There's a big focus on play. And play is important, but it does need to be therapeutic. It does need to be planful and have goals. And that doesn't mean that a, a fun classroom is going to necessarily provide that. And parents will say, I looked at a lot of classes. I looked around. I talked to a lot of people. This one felt right to me. I think he's going to do, do well here. I think he's going to be safe here. I feel good about it. And I'm not going to argue with the gut feelings of a parent. I get that. And, and I get wanting your child to be happy and to be safe. That is important. But you can still be that great parent and evaluate the program for what it offers your child therapeutically. And... Um, and make the right choice. Here's the big takeaway, I guess. So if you're ready, here it is. Early intervention is the critical time for your child's learning. Most of the gains they'll make developmentally and will make in overcoming autism will happen before their sixth birthday. No one would argue that earlier is better and that starting intensively before age three makes, makes all the difference in the world. Working intensively almost always should mean an ABA program, and this ideally takes place at home and at school, or in a clinic and at school. But it's part of school tool, too. We've, we've talked about finding the right therapist in previous shows. Now let's talk about factors related to the right classroom. Preschool programs that support social and communicative development for children with autism do so purposefully. It's not an accident. It's not without effort. It's with the knowledge of autism and ABA methods. And a lot of work goes into doing that right. These programs utilize typically developing peers to make sure the kids understand 
the social context of language to make sure they understand the naturally motivating aspects of play. So social skills are developed with an interaction with typically developing peers, as it should be. There is structured learning opportunities and data collection to make sure the children are getting the support they need, the content they need, and are making appropriate progress. Evidence that they're getting prepared for successful school participation, active learning, and a quality future life that comes from the benefits of being able to take part in school. So again, it's not just a good classroom or good teacher or good district. It is a classroom that's designed and staffed to teach children with autism. So we'll be talking with Dr. Arlene Swartz today about how such a classroom is formed and supported. And Dr. Swartz has developed a great program called Project Data. As a professor at the University of Washington, she has performed some impressive research on this topic for years. And she is a renowned expert on teaching preschoolers who are on the spectrum or have other developmental issues. One thing that Dr. Swartz believes in strongly is pulling our schools and teachers out of the dark ages when young children with autism were segregated into their own autism classrooms with little exposure to their typical peers. Um, and we still, we still see that in some areas. So she comes from a similar background that I do, where our mentors were committed to demonstrating that young children with autism need to have the examples and support of their peers in developing social competency, social language, age-appropriate behavior. And she has definitely taken it to the next level of having a formal approach to teaching children effectively in uh, preschool classrooms. So I'm really looking forward to what she has to say today. If you have a child in their early intervention years or know of someone who does, or if you are a therapist or a teacher, this is going to be an especially important show for you. And as you know, the early years provide huge potential for improvement. These little children's brains are developing rapidly. We need to take full advantage of every day. We need to have evidence-based methods such as those that Dr. Swartz teaches. So we're launching these little guys. We're launching their school experience. We're launching their future. And we need to get it right. And that's the spirit of, and the importance of today's topic. So please stay tuned as we welcome Dr. Eileen Swartz to our show to discuss preschool and autism. I'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Need to replace aging IT infrastructure? Want a way to scale IT resources on demand? Looking for affordable disaster recovery alternatives? Then maybe the cloud is for you. If you aren't sure where or how to start, CenterBeam can help. Over the past decade, we've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and for a limited time are offering a 25% discount on a cloud readiness assessment. It includes detailed recommendations for your transition to the cloud and is yours to keep. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Everyone deserves a life filled with happiness, confidence, and achievements. 
Code Metro, developers of NPA Works Business Management Software, is proud to partner with Autism Spectrum Therapies and its efforts in creating futures for individuals with autism. To fulfill our duties, we promise a special needs product that helps organizations operate efficiently, providing them with a business system that evolves as rapidly as they do. The results? A streamlined practice to help maintain quality services. Discover how we help businesses succeed at NPAWorks.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya, and today we're talking about what's important in a preschool program for children with autism, and my guest today is Dr. Eileen Schwartz. Let me start by giving you a little information about Dr. Schwartz. She's a professor at the University of Washington, where she is the chair of the area of special education, and she's the director of the Norris and Dorothy Herring Center for Research and Training. Her research interests are in the area of early childhood special education, autism inclusion, and the sustainability of educational interventions. She's been working to better understand which instructional strategies and environmental arrangements are most effective in facilitating the learning of young children with autism and related disabilities. Her research involves identifying and validating instructional strategies, and she's investigated how to best prepare teachers and others to implement these strategies with high fidelity. Dr. Swartz is also interested in issues related to social relationships of young children with disabilities and how to include them with their typically developing peers. She's won many awards, produced many great students, and has had major grant funding for her work since 1990, including a nearly $3 million grant to help inform critical early intervention practices. So she's got a lot to share. She's the director of Project Data, which is a model preschool program that's been successful for about 15 years now. And she will tell us more about Project Data today and some of the new work uh, that they are doing with toddlers there. I have enormous respect for her work. I'm excited she accepted my invitation to join us today. So, Dr. Swartz, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bill. Great. Uh, well, I want to dive into Project Data because it's so important. It's uh, been a phenomenally successful program for preschoolers with autism spectrum disorders. Can you tell us how you came about creating uh, Project Data? Sure. Um, we started Project Data in 1997, and we started it as a response to what was happening in the community. At that time, we were receiving many um, requests from parents for um, 40 hours a week of in-home uh, ABA services for their young children with autism. But like my training was similar to your training, where what we know is that um, we need children to learn as much as possible in natural environments because um, we know that if we're just sitting with them one-on-one um, without using natural types of learning activities, um, we're going to see poor generalization and um, not as good of outcomes for children. So we were dedicated um, 15 years ago to really coming up with a model that was, number one, effective for children, uh, number two, was acceptable to parents, and also was acceptable and sustainable for school districts because what we know about education in our country is that you know educa- education is the one great mandate that every child has. And so if children with um, 
disabilities need um, high-quality services, they should be able to receive those in the public schools. And I know that many public schools are far from doing that, but even 15 years ago when we started this project, that was our goal. So Project Data um, is primarily a school-based program. It consists of five primary components. Um, the first component is that every child participates for about 10 hours a week in an inclusive um, preschool um, classroom. So that means the goal of that classroom is really to ensure that children have opportunities to interact successfully with typically developing children every day. And you notice that I didn't just say that they need to be with children every day because if you put children with disabilities and without disabilities together in a room and don't do anything special, you'll have children with disabilities and without disabilities together in a room not interacting. So um, that part of it really needs to be um, taught and facilitated. Um, The second component is an extended instructional day so that children with autism receive uh, at least 25 hours a week of services. Um, The third component is technical and social support for families. The fourth component is collaboration and coordination across all the services that children receive. And the fifth component is a um, quality of life influence curriculum. So we really focus on skills that are important to families and that increase the quality of children's lives and of their families' lives. And and those um, focus heavily on social relationships, social skills, communication skills. Wow, great. And and applied behavior analysis is a component of this, correct? Well, it's, the model is behavioral. So we use applied behavior analysis in all components of that model. Um, you know, I think that often when people think about applied behavior analysis and, and autism, they make the, they forget, they think only about discrete trial training. But right. it's important to remember that discrete trial training is one behavioral tool that we have to use with children with autism and, and other learners, not just children with autism. Um, but everything we do in, that, in our model is behavioral, whether it's how we interact with the families in um, you know, really breaking down the task of um, teaching families how to best interact with their children, um, how to best support their children at home, um, or whether it's um, in our development of curriculum. So we use applied behavior analysis really as our kind of conceptual worldview of how we build the program, how we maintain the program, how we teach other people to do the program. Yeah, I think that's so important, and and I'm glad you said that, because we spent a little bit of time on this show with Travis Thompson talking about how ABA is, is, is often not understood as kind of the umbrella of all the things that we put together to, for effective instruction and effective supports, and people still st- still think of it as kind of the one-on-one, maybe an older LOVAS approach to it, and what you're doing and what a lot of people are doing more modernly is integrating those effective methods into everything involved with inclusion, academics, uh, play. It, you know, those methods can be well-served you know, throughout any good preschool program. Well, and, and yeah, thank you. I agree. And I think that, you know, uh, when I think about applied behavior analysis and people say, you know, do you use applied behavior analysis? I always think about, I don't really know how else I would teach a child, not right. just a child with autism, but any child, you know, because if you think about the, the components of what a discrete trial is, it's really a, a frame for teaching. There's an instruction, there's a prompt if necessary, there's a time for the child to respond, and there's some kind of consequence, um, and then an inner trial interval. 
So, you know, I can use that to teach algebra. I could use that to teach someone to rig a sailboat. I could teach someone that to teach someone how to drive. Um, you know, we, we break it down and we think about it with young children with autism because we're trying to break down these very complex skills, whether they're how to have a conversation or, you know, something more discreet like washing your hands or, you know, touching red. But, but basically the same instructional frame can be applied. Right, and you mentioned that you focus on making sure it's effective, effective and acceptable. And how about replicable? Because I think a lot of parents hear great things that are happening at universities, and they don't know if they belong, fit, or if they can ask for those types of uh, programs in their local school. How do well, you respond? Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. No, I, yeah. I'm just wondering. I think that absolutely they, we know that our project is replicable. And so we've replicated it in many, many um, school districts around Washington State. Um, we've replicate, we had a um, grant from the Office of Special Education Programs at one point, and we did training in 23 states. And we had people um, running some sort of this program across those states. Um, my, I have a close colleague at the University of Oklahoma, and she's running very similar projects there. So we know that this model is sustainable and replicable. Um, you know, what? one of the things that I always do when parents say, but they're not doing this in my district, um, or they'll ask me, what district should I move to? I always say you need to stay in the district that where your family has the most social support because the child with autism is just one member of your family and the rest of your family needs to be in a place that is good for them and then work with the school district. And I, you know, I go back to the basics. So I encourage people to get the book um, that was published by the National Research Council, Educating Children with Autism, that's um, published by um, Kathy Lord, and I think it was the date's 2001. And I encourage parents to go into that meeting with that book open to page 200, two, uh, 220, where, you know, it, the recommendations are very well spelled out. You know, children with autism should have 25 hours a week of service. The service should be year-round. Um, and, it, and it spells out those services very clearly um, and, uh, and work from that place to implement these services. And, and the typical peers are a major part of, of project data and I think an expectation that a lot of professionals have for early childhood special education. And what, what do you think are the most important things that you're doing to make sure that, that social inclusion is happening? How are you working with peers, educating peers? How, how does that get built into your program? Well, you, um, you know, the, the interesting thing is um, we don't do that much to educate the peers. We, um, what we do is we, sit, we develop a classroom community where everyone is accepted and so from the very beginning, we um, set up situations where the groups have children with and without disabilities, where children, all children have roles and important roles in groups. So, for example, one of the ways we do snack is that every child at the snack table is in charge of something at snack. So the child with autism might be in charge of handing out graham crackers, and the child, a child sitting next to them who's typically developing might be in charge of handing out a plate. So if you want a graham cracker, you have to talk to the child with autism. And the child with autism has to learn how to share something that they very much like. And there are teachers there to support that and teach that. But from the very beginning, we really um, build that interdependence between children with and without disabilities. And I think that, you know, our, our goal is to ensure that, you know, having 
a disability doesn't interfere with being able to have friends, and um, and we and that's an expectation. Um, we also make sure that that expectation goes across our whole school community. And so one of the things that we also see is that um, families of children with disabilities become friends with families who have typically developing um, children. And so those friendships, um, you know, between parents um, extend to play dates and family excursions and um, things like that. There's also that that parent-to-parent, whether it's, parents of children with disabilities to other children with disabilities or parents of typically developing children to parents with disabilities, that parent-to-parent support is so um, important in helping um, families who have children with disabilities to um, stay connected to their community. And that's so important. Like you said before, it's not about switching districts or finding the right school. It's about making it work for your community because you're setting a foundation where these kids are going to be in school together for a long time. The parents are going to know each other, and that's going to continue to feed the programming, the education later on because there's always going to be this context of friendships and support in the community for all the skills that are coming down the line. We're going to take a quick break. I think uh, now's a good time because we want to make sure we have time to cover more of this. So we'll be right back with Dr. Eileen Schwartz. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. At Autism Training Solutions, we know what it's like to work with children with autism. And we know what professional development can do for a school, a child, and a family. That is why we want to give 50 schools in the U.S. access to ATS professional development for a whole year. All you need to do is tell us how ATS would make a difference for your team in a one-minute video or a 500-word essay. For a complete set of rules, visit AutismTrainingSolutions.com backslash contest. Shepard Mullen Richter in Hampton is a proud supporter of Autism Spectrum Therapies. Shepard Mullen is a full-service law firm with more than 570 attorneys in 14 offices located in the United States, Europe, and Asia. Companies turn to Shepard Mullen to handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. For more information, please visit ShepardMullen.com. BDO is dedicated to service, from serving our clients to serving the communities in which we live and work. Through BDO Counts, our national corporate volunteer program, employees across the country volunteer their time, talent, and resources for the good of local communities. And now, BDO is proud to support Autism Spectrum Therapies. We believe in doing our best to make the world a little better. That's why people who know community involvement know BDO. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya, and we're continuing our discussion with Dr. Eileen Schwartz, who has been describing her project data, an inclusive uh, preschool program that uh, relies on ABA methods and a lot of uh, 
kind of outstanding support of families. And I want to just step back a little bit, uh, Eileen, and, and talk about what parent. a lot of parents listening are wondering, just in general, when they're observing preschool classrooms and looking around trying to make decisions, what factors should they be looking for? Well, um, when I, that's such a hard question, and I think you hit some of that when you um, came during your introduction about what do you look for in a preschool. But I think that some of the things I look for is when I go into a preschool, I want to see what the children are doing. So I want to make sure that all the children are actively engaged. And what I mean by that is that they're doing something productive, whether they're playing, you know, with the toys outside or they're building things with blocks um, that they're, or they're looking at books or whatever. But I want to make sure that, that children are actively engaged and there aren't children that are just kind of wandering around not doing things because engagement is the number one um, thing that we need to have going on for children to learn. I also want to look at how teachers interact with the children and make sure that that the majority of the time the teachers are interacting with the children and not with the other teachers. So even when we're training our student teachers, we look at that issue of teacher talk and we make sure that teachers are talking to the children and not to each other. Um, You know, that's their job is to be talking to the children. Then I want to see how they're talking to the children. So are they are the majority of their interactions with the children very positive and instructional or are there lots of reprimands and kind of a negative feeling? So the first thing I so I want to make sure that it's a very positive place. Then I want to look at are the teachers open to learning new things? So I you know, if teachers are open to learning new things, so um, then we can go into preschools and really help teachers support um, the child with autism through learning the use of some very basic instructional strategies or learning how to use a visual schedule and teaching children how to respond to that schedule or learning some use of differential reinforcement. So we can teach um, teachers, and we do this all the time, on how to use behavior analysis in a preschool classroom. What I think is harder is to teach people how to create a child-friendly environment if there isn't already a child-friendly environment. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. I, it, w- when you're talking, the first thing I'm thinking of as a parent looking at my district is, how do I, how do I get them to make that leap? When, um, when, when it sounds like what you're asking for is a lot of hard work. It sounds like they're needing to learn all, all kinds of new stuff. And are you experiencing preschool teachers that are up for that challenge? Well, I, I think that I, we are um, in some districts. You know, I mean, we, we, have, we have big barriers um, in front of us, and often the barriers are financial. Um, this is not a cheap a model to um, do, but it is a less expensive model than... Um, doing um, individual home programs for lots of different families. Um, but more important than that, um, I think that the, the, what I find when I talk to school administrators and teachers is that they want to do the right thing. Um, the problem is, is that sometimes as an autism community, we make it hard for them to do the right thing because if a family, if a district has 10 uh, children with autism, they may um, have... 10 families asking for 10 completely different programs. Um, and, you know, one family may want someone to do floor time and someone else may want them to do verbal analysis of behavior. And they're saying, wait, but how's that different than behavior analysis? And, um, and 
um, we're sometimes making it hard for the family, for the districts. So I think it's um, we have to go in and be good partners, um, realize that um, just as much as we want fam- we want school districts to use evidence-based practices, we need to remember that sometimes we're at, we ask families to do, we ask districts to do things that may not have a great evidence base. We also need to acknowledge that um, having an evidence base is important, but the most important evidence is the data that's collected on the individual child. So if we go into a program, um, we need to make sure that we're collecting data on how that child is doing and that we have a, an educational team that knows how to make database decisions to ensure that the child is learning. Um, and so all those things together um, make for a very complex um, uh, system of educating children with autism. It's, it's not easy. Um, but I do think that most school districts want to do the right thing. Right. So uh, it sounds like it's two sides of the coin, maybe, that there needs to be a uh, communication to families about working together and understanding what their expectations are, what they want from a quality program, so that they're not kind of snapping at the district's heels in every IEP from a different direction. <laughs> and also the school district appreciating that that this is a lot cheaper than than what a lot of uh, a lot of schools are being asked to do within home programs. So it's it's kind of a win-win, but everybody has to get on the same page somehow. Is that something you help them to do? I mean, in your messaging to families and districts. Well, we try to, and you know, as much as possible. And I think that you know, you also said in your introduction, which is so important, is that it, to make the investment in early childhood is um, not only is it the right thing to do, but it's the good economic choice. So yeah. every study that we know, um, not just with children with autism but with children in general, demonstrates that the more money you invest in early childhood, um, the less money you have to invest um, down the line. Um, We need to acknowledge that many children with autism who um, have intensive early childhood programs may still need some intensive supports and services later in life, but they will need, you know, what we think happens is that um, they need um, fewer supports and services. We don't know that for sure, of course, because we're never going to do the study that, um, you know, leaves one set of children untreated, um, and we, we never want to do that study. But right. uh, we do um, see that children do much better, and some children may exit special ed altogether. Other children may need just very mild support um, throughout their lifespan. Even um, And now we see children um, who are leaving, who, le- who graduated from, early intensive behavioral interventions like Project Data who are going to college and um, doing very well but still need some mild, some minimal level of support. Um, so we need to think about how we're going to provide that level of support across the lifespan. Right. I want to ask the, the question about, um, again, circling back to ABA and the importance of having somebody involved in the classroom, in the program that knows ABA. Are you... Are you finding folks who are board certified? Are you asking teachers to get board certified? Who oversees the program and who has the BCBA hat in the process? Well, we are training people to be board certified. Um, you know, it's different um, in every in every community in every state. Um, you know, right now in our state, um, we don't have an insurance mandate, so 
um, having a BCBA is um, really an act of love and um, belief <laughs> in our state because it's not reimbursable for in in most places. Um, but we see many districts who are reaching out and actually supporting teachers to get their um, to become board certified behavior analysts and certified teachers. Um, and I think that that's a great um, model. Uh, I would say about half of our um, uh, graduates every year um, are in our special education graduates go on to get their BCBA as well as their teacher certification. Um, and I think that that's an excellent model for um, special education preschools. Um, I think that when we train PCBAs, even those who go through our program who don't get teacher certification, we try to give them experiences in schools because part of being a student is understanding the social context of schooling. And so what we don't want to do, um, in my opinion at least, is have um, BCBAs go into schools and create little mini laboratories or little mini clinic rooms. That's not the, that's not the model we're looking for. We're really looking for making sure that students with autism are receiving the intensity and um, systematic instruction that they need in order to make progress but at the same time that they have um, systematic and um, successful interactions with the school community and with typically developing children. Right. That is so impressive. Half of your new teachers are going on to get board certified in behavior analysis. I think that's wonderful. Um, it means you're, you're giving them the right message early on in their, in their programs. And I think I'm seeing more and more districts uh, hiring BCBAs, um, having... Uh, the, the idea of an autism team where there's a BCBA who's who's helping to support the things that the types of things that you're doing with project data uh, more regularly, that reaching out and trying to tackle that problem early before they they run into the problem of too many parents. With this epidemic, they're getting more and more parents asking different things, and it kind of centers it centers the school philosophy, and it makes it easier for them to communicate to families what they're doing, what their classrooms look like, and. You know, I think the BCBA component is a, is a strong piece of that, and, and I, it sounds like and I you've think got, it's a, got it. I, I agree, and I think it's an investment that schools are making to show that um, that they value behavior analysis and that they behave that they value behavior analysis for children other than children with autism. And I think that that's something that again we need to remember that um, uh, you know there are BCBAs that um, their services would be well used and much needed for children with, you know, potentially with all kinds of disabilities, but also typically developing children who may be um, having some, just some issues around um, some discipline issues or some issues around other kinds of social interactions. So um, I think that, that having a BCBA on staff um, would benefit not just children with autism, but many other children at, the, at a school. Right. Yeah, that's that's a great point. We had um, we had Dr. Uh, Rob Horner talk to us about school-wide positive behavior support, and yeah, I mean, there's no reason that these programs have to be necessarily considered different from a leadership perspective. You know, we can you know leverage that BCBA in a lot of different ways to uh, to benefit the district more broadly. I want to before before you we lose our the rest of our time. I wanted to ask you if you have any any websites, any resources, any places that you'd recommend our listeners turn to learn more about what you're doing or more about effective preschool programming in general? Well, I think that um, one of the, you know, probably things that you've um, heard a lot, so 
Um, I think Autism Speaks is a great website, and it has lots of good references on it. Um, and then I think the other um, website that I'm very, um, I think has excellent uh, resources on it is the um, University of North Carolina. Um, it's a, um, at Chapel Hill program, the Frank, Frank Porter um, Frank Porter Graham Child Care Center. They mm-hmm. have a um, uh, program now to look at evidence-based practices with children with autism, and that's an outstanding uh, resource. And um, it uh, it had they've gone through and looked at um, uh, all of the um, evidence-based practices and um, have developed a um, really excellent online um, uh, online um, units, online modules that people can use to um, uh, learn about different evidence-based practices, and they're all free. Um, so they're uh-huh. um, they're excellent. Um, it's an excellent resource. Um, and of course, I don't have that website handy. I thought I did. Um, yeah, that's fine. We'll we'll yeah. put it up. Actually, the Frank Porter Graham Center. We'll yeah. we'll put we'll put that up for listeners so they can um, see it on our on our site. Absolutely, I'll make sure that we do that. That's a yeah. great great yeah. recommendation. And well, and, I mean, the, and they also have user guides for every recommended practices. So they have a step by step guide that teachers can use or families can use on how to learn how to implement that practice. Oh wow, that's amazing. We'll definitely get that up. Well, Eileen, thank you so much today. This was so wonderful, so helpful, and I'm, I'm sure that our listeners got a lot out of it and are going to be doing some digging and research of their own. I really appreciate your time and agreeing to come on to talk with us. You're welcome. Okay. We'll be right back with more Autism Spectrum Radio. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Parents of special needs individuals want to know if the care their loved ones are receiving is the best possible. We at Code Metro, developers of NPA Works, business management software for special needs providers, understand the unique necessities of running a successful organization. NPA Works helps free providers of tedious tasks like scheduling and insurance billing. Ensure your clinic is maximizing the time they give to your loved one. Ask if they use NPA Works. Visit us at npaworks.com to see how we can help. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya, and I want to once again thank Dr. Eileen Schwartz for joining us today. That was a lot of information packed in, and I really appreciate it. Uh, she's just doing phenomenal work. And I think it's being disseminated well. Uh, she's articulating uh, a program that makes a lot of sense to school districts, um, not just uh, because it's evidence-based and inclusive, but because the way it's put together, she's describing uh, you know, building a community of parent support of, uh, of expectations on the campus of how we look at disability. It's just, it's, it's just important all around. I have enormous uh, respect for her, and I think it's going to have a huge impact on preschools as she continues to uh, do this great work. And these are the people we want to support. These are the people we want to talk about to others. You know, these are the types of things that um, you know, parents should be talking about, not just uh, uh, parents, uh, children with autism, but we should just be talking about how we want our preschools to look. And uh, that's great. She mentioned um, a good resource in the, the Frank Porter Graham Center. We'll, we'll put that up and uh, make sure that you have access to that. You can always Google Frank Porter Graham. I think it's University of North Carolina. Um, not sure the site. I think it's FPG at uh, UNC, something like that. Uh, you'll find it if you Google it, but we'll make sure you find it by putting it up. Um, so the... Uh, uh, just the encouragement of children and families, I think, was an amazing discussion. Speaking of encouragement and families of children with autism and uh, and seeking support and, exa- and examples of, uh, of, uh, of good advocacy and, and passionate people helping, we are going to be talking to Matt Asner next week. Uh, our, our guest will be Matthew Asner. He is Autism Speaks Executive Director for Southern California, and I have the pleasure of sitting on the board with Matt and can attest that uh, he is a hardworking person with a lot of passion for what he does and a great experience and a great commitment to helping families. He has a nine-year-old son with autism, as well as uh, having a 23-year-old brother with autism. So he has uh, a lot of of stories, a lot of examples of uh, how his family has had support in how um, they've reached out to others. He and his father, actor Ed Asner, have been powerful spokesmen for, for autism causes that are close to their heart. And that certainly has included educational issues like we're talking about today. Very passionate about our schools doing the right thing. Uh, Matthew's leadership was a big factor in the success of the recent Los Angeles Walk Now for Autism Speaks event. Um, his leadership, along with some great members of the board and the community, helped make it a huge success. I don't know if any of you made it to the Rose Bowl for this year's walk, but if you did, you witnessed an amazing community of people stepping up for a great cause. Over 30,000 people, uh, to be more exact. Um, and a lot of a lot of work went into doing it. And uh, Matt, I'm sure, will, will talk to us more about the importance of what they're doing in, um, in Southern California. Their volunteers helped park, for example, 12,000 cars that day around the Rose Bowl. Not a small feat. It was a great day for a walk, but not the best best day to be driving anywhere near Pasadena. <laughs> but it was worth it. Uh, a lot of money was raised for a great cause. The goal for the uh, LA walk for Autism Speaks was uh, $1.7 million that day. And I do believe they, ju- they have exceeded uh, that goal 
uh, once all the funds have uh, been counted and figured out. So uh, just a great job. Uh, we are proud to sponsor that. Autism Spectrum Therapies was a proud sponsor for the 10th anniversary of the autism. Los Angeles Walk Now for Autism. And um, I'm sure you can see some pictures of our team at our website, autismtherapies.com. The team may look a little bit sweaty, but it was worth it. The Rose Bowl was just over 100 degrees that day. And uh, Autism Speaks, one of the things that they accomplished was also handing out $18,000, I'm sorry, 18,000 bottles of water, uh, 18,000 bottles of water to keep people alive that day. So um, just great efforts. Anyway, Autism Speaks Southern California is, uh, is under great leadership with uh, Matthew Asner at the helm. So we'll get to hear more from him next week. I do want to share this quote um, from Matt, uh, which I really appreciate. He said, he said, quote, after attending my first Autism Speaks walk, I realized in a single day there was a world of people that wanted to feel the way that I wanted to feel. And he goes on to say, my hope had been restored and I wanted to help people. The walks made me a believer in the phrase, there's safety in numbers. And it's just a, one of the more powerful experiences that, uh, that uh, people describe with the walks is uh, just so many people coming together um, with a passion and raising money and, and all the all the booths, all the vendors, all the folks there who are sharing resources and, and stories. It's, it's powerful to know that, that there is a community out there that is ready to help you. And Matt is one of those advocates who, who does a, a great job. Speaks with enormous enthusiasm, has many experiences to share, both as a parent and a brother and an advocate and a leader as well. I always enjoy my conversations with Matt, and I am sure that you will too. So make sure that you join us next week. Autism uh, Speaks continues to provide great resources too. I, Eileen uh, Schwartz just mentioned um, them as, as a good website to go to, and I would concur. Uh, if you go to their site, you can click on resources, and you see so many valuable tools that they've developed uh, to get families started on the right path. Um, under the family services area, um, I encourage folks to at least look at the uh, the toolkits that they have there. They have the their famous 100-day kit that they developed for newly diagnosed families that's been so important for families who inevitably have hundreds of questions after the diagnosis, and that kind of takes them through the first 100 days and everything that they need to know. Just a brilliant idea and, and a really good resource. Very big kit, very useful. And they've done one of those for Asperger's and high-functioning uh, autism as well. Uh, they also have back-to-school IEP guides. If you have an IEP coming up, that, that's something they can help you with as well. And, and even the small crises, they have uh, toolkits for that. Getting blood drawn, going to the dentist, a sleeping toolkit, haircuts. So uh, if you haven't gone to their site, you should. Most recently, a very timely one, they have published a housing and residential support kit. And they also have a transition uh, toolkit for individuals transitioning from high school to adulthood. So those adult topics uh, are important, and they'll be our, the focus when we have Dr. Uh, Peter Gerhardt on our show on June 19th. Uh, many, uh, many of you um, uh, that I know are looking forward to hearing him uh, because he's one of the folks that is really at the forefront of adult issues. So make sure that you tune in to that. Um, and I want to remind you again, you can listen to any of the shows that we've uh, done in the past, going to autismtherapies.com, and you'll find event information on the site too. And one event I'd like to share is our game night. We'll be offering, we offer game nights occasionally. We'll have one in the San Diego region at our San Diego clinic. Our game nights are, are a great opportunity to let your kids come and play, meet friends while they're being supervised by our highly trained staff, while mom and dad can take a well-deserved night to themselves. So uh, check out autismtherapies.com to see when the game nights are, are coming. All right. Well, this has been a great show. I hope that you uh, learned something or at least got inspired by hearing about effective preschool instruction models. 
And I also hope that you reach out to us with your questions and ideas. I look forward to speaking with you again next week, along with our guest, Matthew Asner. hope everybody has a great week. Bye-bye. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Bill Freya, for another edition next week. Mm-hmm.